Hey guys, what's going on? Welcome to another edition, albeit a little later this week, of the New York 20. I'm John. And I am Tom. It's good to see you all today. Yeah, here we are on a Sunday, not our typical day to get this stuff done, but uh, I have a broken leg that I just found yeah, out about. we're coming to you live from the hospital. <laughs> John's having his leg amputated. Not quite, but uh, let's hope it doesn't get to that. Uh, no, I'm fine, uh, all in all, but uh, it kind of delayed production for a couple of days, but here we yeah. are. Yeah. Kind of good, though, because we let some things develop, we got uh, we got the Knicks... You know, uh, putting that first series behind them. We got deep into the uh, the first round with the Rangers. We got a, so we got a couple things that we can now kind of expand upon that maybe a couple of days we wouldn't have been able to. But if you guys joined us last week, we went really deep into the Jets draft. Now at that point, it had only been the first round. Obviously, now it's long over. So we yeah. just want to continue on that note and just kind of react on the whole draft for the New York Jets. Uh, Tom, what are your thoughts just as it's wrapped up? So, uh, you know, the thing that I want to lead with is the, the pick that followed the ones we talked about was Geno Smith, right? Mm-hmm. This is the big, you know, kind of surprise out of the draft. Uh, everybody knew the, Nick, the, the Knicks. The Jets had some offensive line woes. Right. Uh, they certainly filled that later in the draft. They picked a, a full backup. They went very, actually, big, meaty offensive players the yes. rest of the draft. And one guy real late that actually was a defensive player in college yep. that they're going to switch to offense. They've already, like, committed to that. So. Yeah, and, and scouts are actually projecting, just t- talking about that really quickly, they're projecting these guys to be potential starters on the line either this year or next year, right. which is big because they did have a lot of holes there. But the big, you know, uh, you know, elephants in the room of the Jets draft was Geno Smith. Yeah. And I will go on record right now and say I despise this pick. <laughs> I can't I can't just, I, I can't get on board with this. Okay. Okay. I mean, you know what? I don't love the pick, but I don't hate it as much as you do. And simply because I don't think the Jets reached for him, obviously. I mean, he fell to them at 39 sure. midway through the second round practically, or yep. you know, a third of the way through. Um And I think that at 39, you can get some value there. And if you need a quarterback, if you like them and he's still sitting there, go for it. I think one of the biggest problems with Sanchez, and obviously hindsight is 20-20 here, but, you know, you traded up to get a guy with a top five pick, I believe it was. You know, you have so much invested in him. And you see that the way him and Ryan were tied at the hip and, you know, the way that they're just, their franchise now is in a a bit of a bad way with the salary cap because they went and they gave him the extension. He probably didn't deserve um and all that stuff kind of comes into play over the next couple of years of his of his uh tenure with the jets not necessarily the draft pick at the beginning but with this one here you have geno smith and you know what if it doesn't pan out i know second round picks are valuable but it's not a top five pick sure so you can always kind of move on from and be like ah we made a bit of a mistake so it's, well, what gets me is it is now a second round pick which does have some value mm-hmm. and i get that it's not as as much money certainly the way the rookie draft system the slotting works as well now is certainly very different than it used to be right so i think geno smith can make four million dollars over the next three years as opposed to four million dollars per year right. over the next three years which, is, which he could have been making so financially it's not as big as an investment but you have a lot of other holes and this becomes really a time sink you're now investing time in geno smith mm-hmm if next year happens and you've tanked this year, are you going to take another quarterback at the top of the first round so you have a chance to take Bridgewater right. or Johnny Football? You're not going to take another quarterback. Now, you're now saying for the next couple of years, Geno Smith is our guy. Right. And to me, if he's not your guy in the first round, then he's just – he's not that guy. You know, right. If you saw him as that, then you would have taken him there. You would have a reason to take him at 9 or 13. Right. And it kills me. So this is them reaching – this is them hoping that maybe he's something that you know mm-hmm. that, that's going to be valuable. But – 
a quarterback, it's special. You know, you can go yeah. and take a shot at a linebacker or a corner, and if they don't pan out, well, you can build your defense other ways, or you can go in and hide that for a couple of years until you bring in a replacement. Quarterback is unique. You can't do that there. And now you're going to go and have this guy run around, and, and you hope that he's more mature than he's shown. You hope that he has some of these other characteristics that he hasn't shown yet. And you hope that he can run a pro-style offense because he didn't do that in, in college. Right. I mean, you know what? That's the that's the one thing I'll agree with you on uh, <laughs> as far as it relates to specifically the ne- next year's draft. Yeah. You know, next year's draft, you have, you know, this one was very deep and there wasn't a lot of standout players. A lot of, you know, linemen, the quote-unquote boring stuff. You right. Know, not a lot of skill position players and stuff that jump out at the top like an Andrew Luck or an RG3 or these guys that are like, whoa. You know, but next year, you kind of have some of that yep. with Bridgewater and, and Manziel, you know. So that's the one thing that I will kind of just, you know, pull back on a little bit because you're more than likely not going to draft a quarterback next year now that you've made this pick because it's a bad investment to do it that way, first of all, you know, and by all accounts, the Jets aren't going to be very good this year, regardless of if Geno Smith is the quarterback day one or if it's Sanchez or if it's Gerard or if they hand Geno Smith the reins halfway through, you know, it's they're they're not going to be able unless miracles happen to judge him accurately on this year. Right. You know, if they were a team that was set up and they just, you know, they had some some players to get the ball to and a great offensive line, you say, you know what, we're going to plug this guy in week one, we're going to see what he can do, and if he's meh, then maybe if we have a high pick next year, next year we're going to go for another quarterback and he can slide in, be our backup, whatever, you know, they move on from Sanchez and all this other stuff. But that's the one thing I will say. Yeah. It, it kind of blocks you from getting the quarterback next year when a lot of those guys are rated very high, especially Bridgewater. Yeah, you're now invested in Smith. That That's mm-hmm. really what it comes down to. And the way the Jets quarterback situation was set up this season, you have one more year of Mark Sanchez no matter what. You brought in David Garrard to challenge him as a legitimate backup or a legitimate option at quarterback. Mm-hmm. You could just roll with that. You don't need to go and bring in another quarterback. Right. And this reeks of a Woody Johnson headline move. It reeks of that, of him saying, well, this guy's a big name. He's available. Let's just take him. Right. And I get there's best player available on the board. And if you're going by that, I, I understand that that's what they did. But again, quarterback is different. Quarterback is not the same as just taking an athlete and hoping he pans out. Right. This is a guy who's going to be the face of your offense for the next however many years. And now, if he was that good in the first place, they would have taken him already. Right. Or he would have been off the board already. You know, he wouldn't have been available at 39. Having said that, though, the guy the Bills picked in the first round, yes. I don't think is going to be a better quarterback. Correct. Uh, yeah. Emmanuel, EJ Emmanuel? Yeah, or? as long as we're not yeah. Buffalo. They're, they're, yeah, I mean, that was crazy. I yeah. mean, if you're going to take, first of all, uh, more of an indictment against uh, uh, Nassib than yeah. it is against anybody. I mean, it's he crazy. got his college his coach. coach that decided to pass on him because they wanted a you know mobile bad. quarterback, which is nonsense. Good by luck, the way. Giants. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but um, yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't know. What's I, I don't bad? Know. What's bad to me is it takes away from the rest of what's a pretty successful draft. You know, again, yeah. uh, you know, we're on record with you know how how we felt about the first round and taking the defensive players. I think it makes a little bit more sense now taking Richardson since they're moving Copels to the outside. Yes, big. That's your pass rusher, yeah. Absolute big change because that fills the void that you were saying, well, what about outside line? Obviously, yep. they brought back uh, Calvin Pace yep. on, a, you know, on, a, on a smaller deal after they'd cut him. But it was like, what are you going to do with that spot? Why? Yeah. Obviously, you, you want more guys on the front. That's how the Giants won a Super Bowl the first yep. time around against Brady. But, you know, it just didn't seem like it made sense the way Ryan, you know, basically goes out of the 3-4 most of the time. Sure. But now, yeah, moving Copels back to the outside. He'll be a rush linebacker. He'll get to the quarterback. That's going to be his job. That's fine. I don't think that's as big of a problem as it was, you know, day one when we were doing sort of instant analysis with that. 
and obviously they could have taken offensive playmakers, but they did fill out their line with their picks. They took right. a fullback, which they needed. They did some things that can set this team up for success mm-hmm. going forward. Also, in fairness, um, and I don't know if we addressed this last time, but um, I think had Tavon Austin been there, yes. uh, obviously the Rams traded a one pick in front of the Jets to pick him. Mm-hmm. But uh, had he been there, I think the Jets were going to take him, which yeah. is what the Rams were worried about, the Rams which is why they traded up. You know, so, and then after that, where are the offensive playmakers? Yeah. Uh, maybe the tight end from, from uh, Notre Dame, Notre Dame that we yeah. talked about last last week. But, you know, I mean. It could be worse. And, and you know, the the sexy picks aren't necessarily going to be there. You, know, you give Stephen Hill a chance. Maybe he goes and shows you something this year, wide receiver. Yeah. And you have a foundation that will hopefully build a little bit better next season because this is a rebuilding year. Absolutely. Maybe there's a flashy guy that comes out next year that you can take to really bolster everything. Well, if they tank completely, they could take Clowney. And yeah. that would really solidify their defense if you have, you know, Clowney, Copels, and David Harris in your linebacking core. All the more know. reason to have taken Tyler Eifert. <laughs> Just draft him. You, uh, anyway, yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to think of a catchy phrase that, you know, comes to mind, like suck like for luck. Like a John luck. Sterling type yeah. of thing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like they had the suck for luck. Downy and, for Clowney. Yeah, or... <laughs> something like that. I don't know. I'm working on it. We'll get there. Yeah. There's a long season of Falter sucking. for Bridgewater. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But the one thing you mentioned to me, um, you know, between the draft uh, last week and and today was about Geno Smith's uh, toughness. Yeah. You know, because clearly he is an athlete. We know that. You know, and he probably has more athletic ability than Sanchez, who is a decent athlete in his own right. Yeah. Smith is a bigger arm. He's he's a a a freak freak. athlete. So, you know, I mean, that's – the NFL's trending that way. But you said toughness. You want to know if he's tough. And I think the one thing that comes out of this – you know, 39th pick in the draft thing, is we're going to see how tough he is early on. Yeah. If he plays with a chip on his shoulder, which he should. I mean, if you think you're a first-round pick and you go and you sit there the first round, I mean, I felt bad for him. Yeah. I felt terrible. Yeah. It reminded me of... of we talked uh, about that when he was taken, yeah. Yeah, it reminded me of Liner, you know, when the, yep. uh, ironically enough, when the Jets passed on him and everybody thought they yeah. were going to go and get him, and um, uh, Brady Quinn. Brady Quinn. When they were just sitting there, and obviously both those guys went in the first round, and mm-hmm. he had to come back the next day. He wasn't quite wearing a suit that day it's, it's a little sad but you know so if you want he fired his agent obviously that yeah that that's a tough one because that again so some scouts has gone and left a mark of immaturity on geno smith right. blaming the agents for not getting drafted in the first round it's it, but it they are selling his stock yeah, it doesn't no, look it, great but i also can't really i mean they've denied that that's exactly why right. he said it was a long time coming which he will say um but I, you know i in the same position i don't know if i you know if i wouldn't react the same way i yeah. mean people move on from their agents when there's a problem and there's a perceived problem so yeah, like robinson Cano. like robinson Cano. god exactly. bless him <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah so you said you wanted to know about his toughness and and you know just his mental like how much can he grind it out and i think we're going to find out about that if yeah. He plays with a chip on his shoulder, then we'll see what he's capable of. Yeah. You know, if he kind of folds, like, oh, woe is me, I got picked 39th, they should have went in the first round. You know, if he folds up like that, then you know you don't have a player. If he shows some moxie, then... I think by the same token, this will be an interesting test for Sanchez. You know, Sanchez is yeah. now walking into the season not... They've already said he's not the starting quarterback right. day one, which has not happened since he was drafted and fighting with Kellen Clemens. Right. And when he was fighting with Kellen Clemens is when he pretty much showed his best stuff to right. the Jets and earn that spot. Well, he has that headband now, which yeah, is going to be a whole looks new great. look for him. It keeps his hair out Listen, of his face. You know what? You know, it gets supermodels. He's doing really well yeah. with that head. <laughs> but it'll be interesting to see. I, I, th- that's the other thing that bothers me about the Geno Smith pick is I think Sanchez still has something to offer 
and you're you're pretty much punting on him by drafting Smith. You're saying he's gone after this season no matter what because right. we drafted this guy. and Or sooner, which yeah. is not likely. I mean, we talked about the cap hit and what it would mean this year versus next year and cutting him after right. a certain date and all that stuff. But there is still a chance that yeah. the Jets will cut him, you know, before the summer's over. So Yeah, I mean, you're judging – the thing that gets me about judging Sanchez in the last two seasons is he has had nothing around him. He's been in a very dysfunctional offense with less uh, – or, say, fewer playmakers around him. Fewer veterans in the clubhouse who go and have a strong leadership presence. And then divas like Santonio Holmes go and take over a little bit. Right. And he's had to deal with that. He didn't deal with it well, but a lot of quarterbacks wouldn't. And if you put him in a position to succeed, which he had his first two seasons, he did pretty well. Right. And you've already now given up on that. You've said, all right, Sanchez is not the guy. They traded away or let a lot of guys walk that were... You know, character guys, yeah. quote unquote, yeah. especially from the offensive side. I mean, there's always there was always those stabilizing forces on the defensive side. Obviously, mm-hmm. Revis is gone. We're not going to talk about that, but he was one of those guys. David Harris in the middle, you know, and then some of the other guys they let go were for obvious reasons. You know, Jim Leonard was two years in a row. He yeah. was hurt. Guys and then, get hurt. Then they filled get those old. roles though with other guys who stepped up. Jeremiah Bell and Laron Landry, who became big like, kind of core guys on their defense that they've again since let go, but. You you know, outside of maybe Nick Mangold on the offensive side, they let everyone go yeah. at a time when they weren't letting those kind of players go on defense. Yeah. They always had these stabilizing forces. Even Bart Scott, although he's not the player he was, and he's kind of, you know, up and down. He's a little crazy. But, you know, I mean, you're talking about Ladanian Tomlinson and right. uh, Tony Richardson, who retired. And, you know, they let Braylon Edwards go that first time. When he had the best rapport yeah. with Sanchez. And Kotchery, who was great for them. Yeah. You know, then when a guy like Keller gets hurt, now all of a sudden it's like you're you got just nothing. Santonio, and he could be a head case, and then he's throwing the ball to the 49ers. Yeah. <laughs> so... You know, anyway, it is what it is. We'll let this stuff kind of unfold a bit. We don't want to go too much on it since our last uh, podcast was basically about the Jets entirely. Yep. Let's move on to another disappointment. Uh. <laughs> The, the poor, Brooklyn the poor Nets. New Jersey, uh, Bro- Brooklyn. Brooklyn yeah. Nets. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, Brooklyn. Goodbye, Brooklyn. Yeah, goodbye, um, PJ. <laughs> goodbye, PJ. Also, yeah. we just found out today, PJ Colissimo will not be brought back, obviously, because you cannot bring him back. Yeah, he choked. You know, he, you he got straight win. up choked. Yeah. Uh, like Latrell Sprewell back in the day with Golden State, <laughs> they, they blew an opportunity. But, you know, you're right. Yeah. Um, the Nets obviously had a great comeback. You know, they're down in the series. They come back. They bring it back to a game seven. Right. They don't get the job done. You no. know, the, the Bulls showed up and, and took over that game. Yoakum Noah on one foot yeah. sort of dominated Brooke Lopez in the paint, and that yeah. was a big factor. And at the end of the day, the Nets have to be better than that. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know what? They didn't have the kind of expectations that some of these other teams in New right. York have had recently. And, um, you know, the first playoff appearance since 2007. Mm-hmm. And it means a lot. You know what? The fact that they didn't get out of the first round isn't crazy. Right. But when you're playing a diminished Bulls team, as badly diminished as they were, I mean, there's no Derrick Rose. Like you said, Noah's on one leg. Heinrich was out. Heinrich was out. Dang was out. They both had like the yeah. flu, like two games each, and yeah, like you some know, kind of zombie disease. I mean, yeah, <laughs> they had like the flesh eating virus or yeah. like a hangnail. I don't know, but they were missing guys, and yeah. that's where it comes down to coaching. I think PJ did a good job. 
you know, at the beginning when he first took over, he kind of led them to the playoffs. But when you don't deliver, they yeah. had to win. It was a must-win situation. So now we'll see. Maybe Van Gundy, maybe Van Gundy pipe dreams of, um, of, of Phil, Phil Jackson. Yeah. I don't know about that. Big Phil. It would be huge. Yeah. It would be huge. I think they're going to aim high for Phil first. Yeah. And, you know, but Van Gundy would be a good option. I think the other thing, too, is they're missing some pieces offensively. I don't think they're quite as deep as some of the other teams in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Uh, their bench is a little bit thin, so they get exposed when they go into these longer series. If they bring in a few more veterans that can go in and, you know, play some defense on, on uh, both sides or play, some, play on both sides of the ball. Yeah. They might be a little bit better. But uh, PJ was kind of the fall guy for this, and, you know, we'll see what happens. Prokhorov firing two coaches in one season is a pretty... Yeah, uh, very Steinbrenner-esque yeah, of him. Yeah. Just like, you know, but that's what you want from an owner. I mean, you want the guy, maybe, you know, not knee-jerk. Yeah. You know, yeah. you don't want a knee-jerk owner, which Steinbrenner had been at some points, you know, in his in his Yankee ownership career back to, you know, in the 70s yep. and like, hiring and firing Billy Martin in like eight days exactly. <laughs> something like yeah. that. So, you know, you, you don't want that, but I think that the... Maybe the Avery Johnson one wasn't so necessary, but he felt that there was a move that needed to be made. And you know what? The PJ thing worked out because it got them to the playoffs. And then when he failed to deliver, they let him go. So, you know what? We're going to just kind of let that ride out because there's not much more you can say about it. They got outplayed by a team that they shouldn't have, and they're out. And we'll see what happens now. We'll see who they bring in. We're going to move quickly to the New York Knicks, the other Brooklyn team, or the first Brooklyn team, the first New York team, rather. I'm sorry. Uh, Well, you know what? I'm from Brooklyn. We're in Brooklyn. It was a a Freudian slip. My apologies. The other other New York team, the uh, big brother, if you will, uh, they took care of business. Took a little longer, but they beat the Celtics. They took and a lot of criticism for the way that series ended, uh, right. having to have it go to six games, losing a game at home to Boston when Boston was obviously very you know beat up after losing Rondo this season. Mm-hmm. They weren't the same team. But the Knicks got the job done, and that was what, uh, honestly, it- I, I took away from the whole thing is the Knicks had to go and win this series. They did. They didn't go to seven games. They right. really – game six was in their hands. There was a little run from Boston, but they got it taken yeah. care of. Like you said before, they took their foot off the gas pedal a little yeah. bit. And, and you know and what? In basketball, and- you kind of want to do that. You don't want guys to get hurt. Especially yep. if you're going to, you know, walk away. If you're walking out of the series right there, you know, you've yeah. put the hammer down. Guys are going to get their licks in yep. basketball. Guys and are going to score points. Boston has a ton of pride. They're a championship yeah. team. I don't, I don't hold that against the Knicks. I think it's a good test of their character. Yeah. So now they're on to Indiana. Right. Indiana is a very similar animal in a lot of ways. They're a very defensive team. Right. They, uh, they box out. They play a very good uh, rebound, block shot type of game underneath. And as we saw today... The Pacers went and came back to win after trailing early in the game. The, the mm-hmm. Pacers sort of dominated the second half. A lot of foul trouble with Carmelo Anthony. He didn't yep. shoot right again. This is now four games in a row. Carmelo didn't yeah. score. Well, he was wearing pace. that shoulder sleeve, and you said that he, you know, he kind of yeah. hasn't really looked great, and maybe he's a little bit more hurt than he's letting on. Which watching the game with you earlier, it seems like it. Yeah, you he know, looks a little, a little afraid of contact. He's not mm-hmm. quite getting to the rim with the same authority. He's missed a ton of shots at the rim. You know, yeah. I think that's been another thing that. Carmelo normally has in his tool belt that he doesn't have right now. Yeah. And you need him to make those open shots. You know, there have been a lot of open threes he's missed. And JR, again, started the game one for ten. You know, yeah. the, between Had the some two big shots late, but not enough. Yeah, you know, you can't have him turn it on late. And it, listen, if this is about him being at the 40-40 club last night, then that's ridiculous. That can't happen. No. He needs to be at home. He needs to be in bed. He can't be out partying with the Nets who just got knocked out and everybody else is in the club. Right. 
It's, it's ridiculous. And if that had an impact on his game, that's terrible. Yeah, which, I mean, you can't quantify it, but you shouldn't be out there. Yeah. You know, you mentioned before, like, would Jeter be doing that? Would some of these other, you know, no, big athletes gonna in be, New York They're going to be preparing for the game. Not on an afternoon game the next day. And yeah. I get, you know, guys want to party, all that. But that was part of JR's supposed, you know, maturity this season was, right. was not doing things like that. Bit of regression from him. You don't like to yeah, see that. Not now. Not in the no, playoffs. No, absolutely not. And, you know, the Pacers still won at home, and you don't yeah. want to lose these games at you, home. You lost you home just, court now. So now you have yeah. to go into into you know, Conseco Center or whatever it's called now, and you have to yeah. win a game. But having said that, you know, and I mentioned this when we were watching it, it just seems like the, the, the Pacers just don't have the horses to compete with the Knicks if the Knicks play their best ball, yep. which, you know, in the first half, the Knicks kind of dominated. They played, they excuse me, in the first, the first quarter. quarter yeah. um, you know, the Knicks had, had a lot of a lot of scoring opportunities. They took advantage of them. They got a lot of big rebounds. And then, you know, it, it kind of just slowed down second quarter a little yep. bit, but then definitely in the second half, they just kind of like listlessly just drifted through the very, their defense. Very, just, very slow. Yeah. You know, and a lot of a lot of plays both offensively and defensively, and there's a lot more they can do. I think Hibbert is really the key to this series. If they can get Hibbert in foul trouble or make him less of a factor defensively yeah. for Indiana, the Knicks should win yeah, this series. Yeah, he kind of stonewalled them a little he did. bit today. He blocked a ton of shots and, and you know, even the shots he didn't block, he altered to the point where they couldn't defend. And right. you know, I think that's gonna be a big factor for them. Okay. Right. Uh, and then going further in the playoffs now, uh, more depressing stuff for myself. <laughs> Today was not like it was not a great it's been day bad for lately. Yeah, you know, it, it's even the like the Celtics stuff is tough to it's... deal with. And now we're talking about <laughs> hockey and the Rangers trailing the Caps two nothing, and you know a heartbreak of a game uh, the other day to lose one nothing in overtime where Lundqvist stood on his head. Yeah, losing three one the other day where they had a couple of quick goals, a soft goal, and it's it's yeah. been tough. You know what? You, I, you could almost take the first one, the three-one, yeah. because they really didn't deserve that game. Like at any point, you know. Right. I know they had the early, uh, they had the early lead. I believe, mm-hmm. yeah, they were up one nothing. Haglund scored, um, yeah. Their only goal this series. Yeah. <laughs> but then, like you said, the soft goal, and there was another one, even the, the second goal that they allowed, you know, uh, Lundqvist, eh, not such a great job. Yeah. It was just, it was a little off. Uh, yesterday's game, definitely way worse. Yeah. Like you said, Lundqvist stood on his head, and they didn't get him any help, and yeah. they're power play is horrific. It's bad. And and this is coming from a person who does not really even follow hockey. This is Yeah, you're just getting into it. and It it looked, I mean, just, it doesn't pass the the straight face test. Just at face value, just watching it, I'm looking at it like, why are they not doing what some of these other teams are doing, you know, that I've seen in the playoffs so far, and they when they have the horses to do it. I mean, they have the guys that yeah, can score. That's what's most I, I know Richards has been disappearing right. all year, yep. but, like, what are they doing? They're so soft out there. What do you think? What's going it's, on? I mean, it's a matter of strategy. And it's a matter of chemistry. And between not changing, you know, changing their lines every four seconds. You know, mm-hmm. Zuccarello's on the power play, and then, you know, he's off the power play. And now Delzato's on the point with Richards, and then Richards is gone with, you know, McDonough. There's a ton of changes going on, and the Lions have not had a chance to develop a lot of chemistry, and you can see it. You know, I think, like you were saying, they hesitate with the puck. Yeah. They, don't, they aren't as, as decisive as, say, the Penguins were. Yeah. And that overtime where they just beat the Islanders, they went and moved the puck, moved the puck, moved the puck, and score. Absolutely. The Rangers don't have that. They don't have Absolutely. that sort of sixth sense when trying to find a teammate, and it's very apparent. And, that you know, the way the playoffs are... Uh, power plays are the most valuable thing you're going to find. Yeah. You know, well, they failed to score on a five-on-three the other yeah, day. I for mean, a minute. Yeah. For a minute. They had two more I mean, guys. A five-on-three. It's like, uh, 
It's that's unfathomable seconds. to me. If you have two more people, just make them fall just, down. Just go. I mean, just, just send, like, you know, uh, send the house. Yeah. Like, you know, to use a football term, just go. I mean, just attack, you attack, think like attack. soccer, right? Somebody gets a red card, you're playing 11 on 10. It's the biggest advantage imaginable. Nobody right. ever wins when they have 10 men. You have two extra guys right. for a minute, and you can't get a shot on goal. It's right. incredible. It's, and the fundamentals are basically the same. I mean, the yeah. concept is, yeah. is, is the same. Just, just put it in the net. So... It, 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 that is the factor. That's really yeah. what it's been so far. Now, the Rangers played a much better game in Game 2. There were not a lot of scoring chances going Washington's way. Right. They stayed out of the penalty box for the most part until McDonough took that unfortunate you know, delay of game penalty. Right. And that's what decided it for Washington. But the Rangers need to be better. Now, they'll get a, a bit of a matchup advantage playing at the Garden now. Right. They're going to go and get to uh, maybe get Richards uh, and Nash against their lesser defensemen at home. Right. Um, and maybe score a couple of goals. I think I do think the Rangers do have the chance to swing this series a little bit playing at the Garden. But they need to – they really need to open it up more. They can't play this, you know, defense-first style yeah. so much. And they brought in Dorsett. He was out. They brought in um, – uh, they're going to bring in Clove. Boyle just came back. Right. There's a lot of – heavy hitters that are now on this team that mm-hmm. may wear them down a little bit more for, uh, on Washington's defense, which could have an impact, but you need to see more. You need to get more offensively. It Absolutely. can't just be a wraparound goal off a defender's skate. That's your yeah. one goal of this series. Well, like you mentioned before with the with the Islanders game we were watching earlier, yep. uh, you know, Islanders played a tough game. They played yeah. it close. They just went down 2-1, unfortunately, to the, uh, the, Penguins. the Penguins. But as soon as, you know, they're tied, they go into overtime, and as soon as... The Penguins get on the power play. They were in overtime, right? Yep. yep. It was overtime. As soon play. as the as soon as the Penguins get on the power play, you looked at me and you said the game's over. Yep. The game's over, and within seconds, I don't know exactly yep. how much game time ticked yep. away, it was but about within seconds, seconds. Yep. they just you know boom, 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 open goal, take it, yep. nailed it, game that's over. That's how it works, and that's what you got to do. You have to make the other team make a play. Yeah. And the Rangers have not done that yet this series, and until they do, I mean, this could be a very short series if they don't do that in Game Three. Because if they get down three zip, oh. I mean that, that's really it. No, know? that's going to be bad, and that's going to be disappointing. It's you know, it's kind of after this year, yeah. It's kind of the opposite of what we talked about with the Nets, where you know, just getting in was yeah. was a step forward for them. And obviously, it's a bit of a wild card this year with the lockout, sure. shortened season, and guys really didn't have the time to develop and get the chemistry going. And there's a couple of new moving pieces. All that's fine. The Rangers have the talent. That they yeah. should be moving through. I mean, people are talking about a cup for them this year. Like, yeah. So you cannot, cannot go down this way. If they get no. down 3-0, they're in huge trouble. And I think Tortorella is in trouble. Yeah. I think there's going to be some some big issues if they lose this series. It'll be interesting to see what happens to Tortorella. I I mean, honestly, I've liked Tortorella for a while. But if this is, this, if this is how it's going to be... I don't want to sign up for that. I'm tired right. of this defense first system where they don't score any goals. They can't win like that. Also, the wild card, which you know, when when guys do poorly, you cannot uh, take this out of the equation. Tortorella is not well liked with the media. You yeah. know, he handles himself in a very different way. In a you know, and it, listen, it's his game. You got Rex Ryan who does what he does for the Jets, and you have Tortorella that does what he does, and they're both different, and they're both you know they stand out. But when you win, whatever, All forgiven, yeah, right. When Nobody you cared. lose. Tortorella you know, was and, actually more ornery last year with the media when the Rangers won right. and had 115 points and nobody really cared. Exactly. And he's been really good with the media this year, maybe because <laughs> they haven't been quite as good of a team. Maybe because you you can't you, you can't force the issue and 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 get down and and get down on the media yeah. because then if they lose, the media is going to call for his head because they don't like him, and that sometimes can influence especially in New York, yeah. especially in New York, and especially with a guy like Dolan at the helm, yeah. who can be a little. He's Nutty, just, he's just you a know? crazy person. Yeah. So, 
Listen, man, it is what it is. Before we get out of here, because we're going a little long, I want to just touch on the sport that's, again, just kind of kicking off. We're, we're trying yeah, to get we're the warm weather. Getting, we're trying we're to there. push the baseball. We're trying. Yeah. We're trying so hard One to warm up. One team is doing well. One team is not so much. Exactly. Um, <laughs> despite a ton of injuries, the Yankees have actually been pretty successful. They're yep. coming off a really good homestand. Mm-hmm. Uh, played against Toronto, swept all four games. Right. Played against Houston, took two out of three. Right. Well, um, it's Houston. Yep. And actually probably bad that they lost a game. Right. And uh, Houston is actually on pace. I just read this on Twitter before. Yeah. Uh, with a loss today, Houston would be on the same exact pace as the uh, 62 Mets for the worst record. I'm and I know there's a lot it. of games to be played, yeah, but I would love to <laughs> not have that. I'm hoping that they don't win another game. You know, maybe that's the curse. Maybe we could lift that, and then the Mets yeah. could, you know, forget about that lovable losers history. Right, and, just yes. drop it on the Astros. <laughs> that would do it. That's what's been missing. Yeah, sure, why not? So, you know, the, the, the Yankees doing their best to make sure the Mets continue that curse, drop the game to the <laughs> Astros, uh, and then just lost a, a very close series to, to Oakland at home 5-4 um, to four today. Yep. Um, lost the series 2-1. Uh, three to, uh, three, uh, to one. But uh, overall, really not a bad showing considering yep. what they've been at. Phil Hughes really stepped it up his last few starts. He threw eight shutout innings yesterday to really dominate uh, uh, Oakland. And the, the Yankees have looked good. Now, again, more injury news, right? Job is out. Euclid is out. And, you know, uh, Nova's been out. Yeah. They're, they're and Nunez today. Nunez today with a rib cage. And they Which say, are always uh, pesky. I mean, yeah. they're saying, you know, they'll hope maybe he won't be ready for Tuesday. They have an off day tomorrow. Right. He wants to play Tuesday. That's not going to happen. Yeah. They're not. They're going to hold them you out can't. no matter you what. You can't risk him right now. But, you know, I mean, that's, that's something that could be... Two weeks, two days, or two months. We don't yeah. know. Rib cages are It involves crazy. everything you do in baseball. Throwing, right. hitting, running, whatever. It, you know, it's going to have that. So you got to be careful. And he said before, after he came out of the game, that uh, it hurts when he throws and when he swings a bat. Yeah. Which I'm told are the two most important things. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the only do. thing worse would be to have a broken leg and then trying to play, you know, something. Because yeah. well, that, that's pretty you. difficult. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but they're surviving. You know, yeah. they're they're two games behind Boston, maybe two and a half yeah. right now. Like they're they're right in it. So just survive. They're in survival mode. Granderson should be back pretty soon. Teixeira should be back pretty soon. It'll be interesting to see how they handle that. Absolutely. But the Yankees look all right. You know, I'm, I'm really pleasantly surprised. Even before these extra injuries, yeah. I was I was saying get out of April at 500, and they've been well over that. So yeah, they're in I a think, good spot. I think they have uh, 16 or 18 guys on the uh, DL, which yeah. is tops in the league. So and like 180 million dollars. On well, the DL. Yeah, that's incredible. That's a crazy number. I can't yeah. even wrap my mind around that. But yeah. uh, real quick on the Mets. Mets not doing so well, um, uh, as we expected. Yeah, they <laughs> have Matt Harvey. I like him a lot, too. Yeah, he's, you know, uh, Matt Harvey is, like, he's the truth. I mean, yeah. he is great. He was supposed to actually pitch today, but uh, the Mets were rained out yesterday in Atlanta. So Nice went today. Harvey will go on Tuesday against right. the White Sox at home. Um, I would have started Harvey today. Yeah, I I Nice back. Let Harvey start. I know. I had that same feeling, you know, go go Harvey against Tim Hudson yeah. and and see what he can do. Nice, I mean, listen, Nice has been very good. Nice is getting better every year. Yeah. I like Nice a lot. Him, yeah. But today he didn't pitch so well. He mm-hmm. allowed uh five runs. Um I think all of them earned. There was a little misplay by Lucas Duda, but yeah. he never touched the ball. So it should have been caught. That led to a couple runs. Yeah. Um I will say this though, the Mets had their best win on Friday night. Uh, definitely this year and maybe in the last couple of years. Right. Uh, where they came back against a tough, very stout Atlanta bullpen and beat them. Yeah. Um, they got a big home run in the eighth off Flattery. 
and then uh, oh flattery rather, rather, and uh, then oh, David Wright. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> oh flattery rather, that guy. <laughs> um, no, and then uh, David Wright tied the game off Kimbrel with a home yep. run in the ninth, and that then uh, yeah, and then they came in off their uh, their other big reliever Walden, and they they you know got they a couple it, runs yeah. in the tenth and and won it going away. So that was big. You know, they just got to play more like that. But I don't know if they have the they don't have the horses every day. Yeah. I keep saying that about these teams, but it's that's the theme of the day. It's, they just the Mets don't have enough quality everyday ball players to run out there right now. Yeah. And they're going to keep, you know, teasing you. They're going to look really good when certain guys get going. They're going to look really bad and they don't. And that's the story of it when you have Mike Baxter starting in your outfield. Yeah. You know, we've run down the list of the teams that we talked about today. The Jets uh, have a lot of offensive problems. The Knicks have a lot of offensive problems. The Nets had some offensive problems. The Rangers and Islanders, you know, maybe the Islanders a little less so, but the Rangers certainly. Mm-hmm. Um, the Yankees are at Jason Nix batting six today. Yeah. Uh, Ichiro was batting fifth. He's the guy behind the cleanup. Vernon hitter. Wells was batting third yeah. for the New York Yankees in 2013. Yeah, not so, 2006. You right. Know? So, and and the Mets obviously. So it's scoring. You got to score if you want to win. And I get you know pitching and defense, and I right. get defense wins championships, but you can't win every game one nothing. Right. Absolutely, because it puts a tremendous amount of pressure on your pitchers. Yeah. You know, and and in the Mets case, you know they they've had some injuries in their starting rotation that we've you know gone over before. Sure. So you know it's put putting extra pressure on just Harvey and Nice because yeah. that's all they've had. You know, they're trying to get Markham back, but he's not at full strength. Right. You know, so he's had, I think, two starts now and a brief relief appearance where he hasn't been able to throw all of his pitches. Yeah. And he hasn't been able to go deep in games because he basically missed most of spring training and he's trying to piece it together here. And they need him here because they had to get rid of Aaron Laffey, who's been cut by three other teams yeah. since. So, you know, I mean, listen, Zach Wheeler did throw six uh, shutout innings today. Yep. And I think if he does that a couple more times, I think he's going to be up here sooner rather than later because I think they're going to look for a spark. And, you know, I mean, we'll, we'll see what we can do. I think two guys to look out for um, in, in uh, New York sports coming up. Uh, Amar Sotomayor has been penciled back in potentially for Game 3. Right. With the Knicks' offensive struggles, I think he can have a major impact. And with the Yankees, keep an eye on Chin Ming Wong. Uh, he pitched down in AAA. He's yep. actually been pitching very, very well, throwing his heavy sinker again. Mm-hmm. With Nova out, he has a chance to sort of step in his shoes and take over. Um, I think it's a big opportunity because Jimmy Wong was a successful pitcher, got hurt. He's, a, he's an interesting guy to keep an eye on because yeah. he does still have his stuff. He's not that old. He, he'd yeah. be a, Absolutely. You know. I think that's the one thing we're going to find uh, this year that's pretty interesting with the Mets and the Yankees going forward the rest of the season. There's going to be a lot of moving parts. Yeah. I mean, the Mets, you know, made a, a minor move where they sent Colin Cowgill down, who wasn't doing so great, and right. brought up Andrew Brown, who's a, yeah, he's a 28-year-old, kind of bounce around the minors sure. type of guy. But they're going to just, they're going to see what sticks. They're going to try to find, you know, somebody that can, you know, uh, just bat, like hit consistently and make plays out there and, and, and not ruin games for them. And they're going to see if one of these guys can kind of rise above the rest. And I, that's the theme. I told you, I've been telling you since before the season started, if the Mets can find one starting outfielder going into next year, they're ahead of the game. Yeah. And if they don't, I they're going to address that accordingly. You know, I think they're going to look to fill some spots with some trades and maybe some, you know, some big free agent signings. going to have a lot of money coming off the books. And so you're going to see a lot of moving parts with both of these teams between today and <laughs> December. I mean, yeah. you know, the whole At least way July and definitely yeah, December. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So we'll see how that builds up uh, between now and then. We'll definitely be with you a little bit more. Uh, every week we're going to go and, and record this podcast. and uh, Why not? You know, you guys are listening, so we like doing it, and we're going to keep doing it. Even though sometimes we go a little long. It's the New York 20, but we've gone the New York 30-something. 30 34, but- 42, whatever. It's fine. <laughs> we'll, we'll roll with it. 
So I'm going to try to heal up my leg. I'll see, uh, see you guys next week. I'm John. And I am Tom. I will amputate the leg if it gets any kind of gangrene. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. That's thank a real you. friend right there. He'll cut it. off my leg if he's got to. So. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you for joining us uh, and see you next time. Take it easy, guys. The New York 20 is brought to you by my broken leg. It sucks, but at least I'm not a horse because I'd be dead.